Ooh, powerful. Gets us, gets us in the mood. Tom Wolfe, famed for his Bonfire of the Vanities and other great books, has just come out with an interesting treatise on the question of whether or not we can ever know the origin of human speech. Did it evolve like Darwin theorized? Or do our brains possess some kind of special language organ, as per Noam Chomsky? Wolf's job seems to be to take them all down. From Darwin to Noam, he opens his book, The Kingdom of Speech, with a story about a man named Alfred Wallace, who, according to Wolf's research, had discerned the theory of evolution either at the same time as Darwin or even earlier. Given the power of the church during that time to bring wrath down on anyone who challenged the biblical version of creation, Darwin kept his theory under wraps until one day Wallace unwittingly mailed Darwin a copy of his own discovery of the origin of the species by natural selection and asked Darwin's help to get it published. And so the kingdom of speech opens with a moral dilemma. You're Darwin. What do you do? You figured this earth-shattering piece of new knowledge long ago but you didn't tell the world. Now it appears that someone else figured it out too and threatens to undermine all the credit that you know you are due. Here's what happened according to Wolf. Because of his dread of the church's reaction to his theory, Darwin had shared his theory with only one person, Sir Charles Lyell. Then Lyell, with Darwin's culpability, cooks a plan to present both Darwin's and Wallace's papers simultaneously at a meeting where Wallace happens not to be present. Long story short, Darwin starts out with all good intentions to admit that Wallace's paper was written first, but instead his friend Lyle convinces him to make it appear that Darwin was obviously first, and Wallace came along later. Now, hold up your hand if you are long familiar with the name Alfred Wallace. Okay, and how about if you're familiar with the name Charles Darwin? Uh-huh. It's easy for us to read the book and react in disappointment that Darwin did not do the noble thing or to decree that were we him, we would have done it differently. But the truth that these upcoming Jewish holidays teach us is that being good and doing right is hard work. Like Darwin, each one of us possesses an ego. Sometimes we let our egos get the better of us in the way that we treat others around us. In order to keep our own ego feeling good, we sometimes put others down, or we ignore them, 
or we might treat them unfairly for our own sake. Modern psychology can explain a lot about how the ego functions and how it gets us into trouble on a regular basis. Judaism recognizes that each of us possesses both a Yetzer Tov and a Yetzer Ra, a good and an evil inclination. Our life's work is to kovesh et yitro, to conquer our evil impulses. Overcoming our ego needs can really be a battle. Yet we see others around us who are not nice, who are unkind, and who cheat others out of glory. We know we don't want to be like them. Sometimes we comfort ourselves by comparing ourselves to others who seem worse than us. We're not that bad. The trick is to see your entire life ahead of you as an opportunity to work on your own yetzer. Rabbi Yona Garandi quoted Ecclesiastes and comments on it. There is not a righteous person on earth who does only good and does not sin, says Kohelet of the third century before the Common Era. However, says the 13th century Catalonian rabbi, Rabbi Jonah, the righteous subdue their yetzerra, their evil inclination, a hundred times. If they have succumbed to sin once, they do not repeat it so as to prevent coming loathsome in their own eyes. And so they repent. Today, as we prepare ourselves for a new year, we know that the struggle to be a better person and to do the hard work of teshuvah continues. Judaism provides beautiful tools to help us with this work. Today is the 20th day of the month of Elul. Each day from now until Rosh Hashanah, Jewish tradition calls upon each of us to do our own work to seek forgiveness from others and to concentrate on what we need to do to be nicer, kinder, mitzvah-observant people. Our obligation is not merely to the people in our lives, but to our Jewish community, and to make justice in this country where there is strife. And we know that there is strife. Traditionally, we hear the sound of the shofar in the morning, and we're so glad that we had the chance to hear the shofar together as a community. I encourage you to Remember that sound and replay it in your head when you wake up each day. Listen to its call toward justice, righteous behavior, and being part of the community. The process of teshuvah, of repentance, is transformative. It is generally gradual and continual, moving us toward the kind, good, loving person we wish to be. It helps to do this work both individually and in community. I hope that you can join us tomorrow night for Slichot, which we designed this year to help you with that personal work of teshuvah, of turning yourself 
around. Tom Wolfe, in his book, The Kingdom of Speech, reports evidence of symptoms of guilt that Darwin displayed over his ultimate decision to throw Wallace under the bus. Whenever the discussion in print or person got around to Mr. Darwin's theory of evolution, Tom Wolfe tells us, Darwin always made a point of mentioning that Mr. Wallace had also done important work in this area. But Wolfe himself is quick to point out there is a difference between guilt and regret. We are 19 days away from Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is not a day for guilt, but for genuine expression of regret. Regret for mistakes we make and regret for not engaging in the acts of tikkun that we need to repair our world. Only after we express regret can we work toward making things right with others, with God and with ourselves. May that call of the shofar strengthen you and strengthen each one of us and all of us together to know that it is never too late. The gates of repentance are always open for all of us. Shabbat shalom. We turn now to the Aleinu on page 200.